Hey guys, good morning everybody. It's 10 o'clock. It is Thursday. It is pouring down rain in Woodburn. And uh, it's time for 10 with 10. We're in the Word today. We're dry. And uh, we are uh, in Isaiah chapters 46 and 47 today. I really, I don't I don't know. Uh, I know some of you probably don't love these chapters. They're uh, in, in some ways the kind of thing we've been hearing from Isaiah. But I've just really been thinking about these chapters today and really sort of stuck on some things we read the other day together. And I don't know, I feel like God's really speaking to me in his word. And, uh, and, and I love that. Let's talk about it. Isaiah chapter 46, verse one, all the way through the end of chapter 47. Um, chapter 46 is another one of those chapters that continues to, you know, sort of make fun of, you know, point out the foolishness of idols, idolatry and, and idol makers. Um, and uh, I don't know, I'm just really struck with that today, the fact that Isaiah just keeps going back to that. And he talks about it like, you know, those people who make idols, like we're talking about somebody else, you know? So in some ways, it just sounds like Isaiah, you know, running down other people's religion, you know, to his group. And, and I'm, I'm sure that's how some people would read it, you know, like, uh, you know, like the same way, you know, some Baptist, you know, might run down Presbyterians or whatever. Nothing against Presbyterians. I love you all. Um, you know what I'm saying, though? It's, 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 it's like, you know, Isaiah is just, you know, somehow out of his own insecurity, you know, trying to continue to point out the foolishness of those who don't believe like he believes. But, but no, there's so much more to this than that, you know? Um, Isaiah continues to go back and preach about the foolishness of idolatry. And he's talking to God's people because idolatry continues to be a real threat and a real temptation for them. He's not, you know, talking about other people, you know, to God's people in a gossipy kind of judgmental kind of way. No, he is warning God's people against the kind of foolishness that they themselves could walk into. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like we're talking about this, not just to run down other people, but to say you don't want to be the person who turns to idols. You don't want to be the person who resorts to this kind of foolishness. You see, he's trying to warn them away from that temptation. Same thing with Babylon in chapter 47. You got to remember when Isaiah's writing, you know, when, when chapter 47 is written, Babylon is not, you know, fallen. You know, Babylon is the queen of the world, you know? And in some ways, you know, chapter 47 seems to know that. You know, that, that's part of the irony there because it just says your days of sitting on a throne have ended. Well, no, they haven't, but that's what makes him a prophet, you know? And that's why in Isaiah keeps saying, I'm telling these things to you before they even happen, you know? You know, in, in Isaiah's day, you know, when people first heard this message in chapter 47, Babylon was the queen of the world. And there was no nation, in the, no empire that was even close. I mean, Babylon was amazing, you know? One of the greatest empires that's ever, ever been on the face of the earth. And in her heyday, nobody could have imagined her downfall. Except Isaiah, you know, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit saying, yeah, you're not always going to be like this. You're not always going to be striding across the earth, you know, like a queen. You know, you're not always going to be the queen of the earth because one of these days you are going to be a toothless old hag and the whole world's going to look upon your shame and think, what in the world did we ever see in her? I mean, you know what I'm saying? Because that's what Isaiah is saying. 
These are all prophecies, you know, and and their sermons and taunts in, in you know in, in places, you know, taunting the idol makers, how foolish you are, but but again, the messages are for God's people because they're very, very tempted to just go ahead and join up with Babylon, you know, to look to Babylon and maybe if we just ally ourselves with Babylon. You know, maybe if we just surrender to Babylon, she's a queen of the world anyway, maybe she'll be better to us if we just, you know, give in to her. Maybe her gods are better. I mean, because it looks like, you know, Babylon's God sure got her further than our God got us, you know? I mean, you got to look at the present situation and understand how radical these passages would be. So, Turning to idols is a real temptation. And that's why Isaiah, you know, continues to make this contrast. You know, the poor beasts stagger under the weight. You know, they're being hauled away. We're talking about the gods of Babel and Bel and Nabo. Both the idols and their owners are bowed down. The gods can't protect the people. The people can't protect the gods. They go off into captivity together. You know, that's a prophecy. You know, I mean, when Isaiah says this, he, nobody can imagine this happening again. It's just this amazing way in which God continues to remind us that, you know, nothing lasts forever. You know, things change. Things are always going to change. Listen to me, the Lord says. I cared for you since you were born. I carried you since before you were born. I will carry you along and save you. Okay, understand, we're contrasting here the God who carries. You got that? He's the God who carries. He carries you. He carries the world. He created it. He carried it before he created it, he says. He's the God who carries. But then contrast with this, you know, some people pour out their silver and gold, hire a craftsman to make a God from it. Then they bow down and worship it, and they carry it around on their shoulders. You see that? We contrast in the God who carries with the gods who are carried. You see that? See what we did there? The God who carries, I carried you. I carried you before you were born. I'm carrying you now. I'll carry you to the end. Contrast with the gods who are carried. They're going to have to make it and then carry it around, you know. Idolatry is exhausting because in, it turns out you got to do all the work. You got to make the God. You got to stand the God up and you got to carry him around. You got to keep the God standing. Now, is the same temptation there for us? Absolutely. You know, my big insight, I think, was, uh, what, what was it, Monday? Th that whole idea that uh, that our, our, our idols, our gods, have to do with the, the things we lie to ourselves about, the lies we tell ourselves. You know, remember that passage in Isaiah where he says, you know, it's, it's really hard to look down at the idol in your hand and say, man, I think that's a lie in my hand. It's really hard to disavow yourself of the lies you tell yourself, you know. And so our idols are lies we tell ourselves. So it becomes a lie like... Um, uh, my appearance is, is where I find my worth. You know, so I've got to look a certain way and that's where I find my worth. And so that becomes exhausting and expensive. Have you bought a really good retinol eye cream lately? You know what I mean? It's expensive, it's exhausting. And, and again, it's this idea that you're putting all of your hope, all your faith into this lie. You tell yourself that my worth is in my appearance. You know, anytime you're talking about worth, you're talking about worship, and that's why it gets into idolatry. So, so my worth comes from my my performance, what I do. 
you know. So I got to do certain things in order to have worth. So I've got to I've got to perform a certain way on the job, or I've got to do certain things in relationships with my family. My worth comes from the things I do. See, that's a lie you tell yourself because when the day comes and you can't continue to do the things that you have done, then what's your worth going to be then? You see, these lies you tell yourself become your idols, and then you have to do all the work. You know, I mean, God help the people who think that their worth is found in their sexuality or their gender, you know, because all of a sudden you got to do a whole lot of work, you know, to come up with your own pronouns and all. And I'm not making fun. I'm saying that's a whole lot of work. And then you got to get the whole world to learn your pronoun. You know, that's just that's exhausting. And any place you find yourself you know, trying to do a whole lot of work in order to kind of stack up what you're finding your worth in. That, that's, that's idolatry, you know, right there. You know, for me, the idol is always pleasing others. I'm a people pleaser and it's exhausting, you know, because first off, I got to get the people in my life so I can please them. You see, so that's where, you know, you build your own idol and then I got to keep them in my life by always pleasing them, you know. And then if I don't please them, then I got to please them double to win them back and keep, you know, it's exhausting when you think that your worth comes from keeping other people happy. You understand? But these are all lies that we tell ourselves. My worth comes from pleasing others. My worth comes from my appearance. My worth comes from what I do. And, and all of that's a lie. But I'm telling you, that's what makes idolatry so powerful, you know, because it always comes down to the lie you're telling yourself. So here, Isaiah just contrasts this God who carries, man, I, I carried you. Before you had worth, I gave you worth. You understand? I carried you and I'm carrying you now. The God who carries versus the God that you got to carry, you know, there actually is no comparison, but oh, how quickly we resort to the idolatry because I mean, when you get to, you know, create your own lie, you can tell yourself anything you want to hear and then you can believe it, you know, and then you have found the slavery that comes with idolatry, you know. Back to chapter 47, this whole, uh, it's a taunt. It's literally a technical word for biblical scholars. It's a kind of oracle, a kind of prophecy, but it's a taunt. In other words, there's a kind of uh, ironic mockery here in telling Babylon what she's going to be and how she's going to be destitute. You know, it's a personification of Babylon as a woman, as a queen, and then the, the prophecy of how she's going to become undone. You felt secure in your wickedness. No one sees me, you said, but you're not going to charm your way out of this. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really amazing. I, I notice in that place where it says that Babylon says, I'm the only one, there is no other. That's verse eight. She says, I'm, I'm the only one, I'm no other. That's exactly the words that God's been saying. I am the only one. I'm God alone. There is no other. And notice how Babylon takes those words of God and applies them to herself. I'm the only one. There is no other. But uh, you and all your friends, those you've done business with since childhood, you're all going to go your own ways and uh, they're not going to listen to your cries. Yeah, you're not going to charm your way out of this one. Yeah, the great queen of the world is going to become a toothless old hag. Uh, God has spoken. Yeah, you wouldn't see that in the day, but make no mistake, that's where, that's the prophecy, that's the truth that God shares even before it happens, and that's how we know he's God. Uh, Only I can tell you the future before it even happens, he says in verse 10, everything I plan will come to pass, for I do whatever I wish. Yeah, he's God.
He's God all by himself. Uh, We'll pick up right there tomorrow. Chapter 48, verses 1 to 22. Isaiah chapter 48, verses 1 to 22 for tomorrow. So listen, stay dry, stay in the word. And uh, I didn't, did I say I love you? Man, I love you guys so much. I love you guys so much. Thank you for uh, uh, helping me be more faithful, helping me dig deeper into the word. And uh, thank you for your time. I love you guys so much. I'll see you in the morning, Lord willing, 10 o'clock for 10 with Tim.